Hey, welcome to Rushcast. My name is Jay Mantis. Thank you very much for listening to our show. We're happy to have you here. We're going to have a bunch of fun today. I have a nice, packed episode for you, I promise. Lots to talk to uh, talk about, lots to get to. Listen, guys, today I am recording in my apartment. So, what that means for you as the listener is you might hear some traffic. There's a highway outside my place. The West Side Highway is right next to us right now. And uh, there are a lot of, like, all the angriest people in New York City are on the West Side Highway. So, if, if there's somebody that's angry here, that's where they are. And they might be on this podcast without even knowing it. So bear with me if there's any accidents or honking or uh, expletives, whatever. You might hear all three of those things. Additionally, I refuse to turn off my air conditioner because if I do, I might die in the next hour. And uh, I'd be in favor of that not happening. So I'm going to leave my AC on and just hope that it doesn't interfere with the audio. I don't think you'll be able to hear it. I want to say hi to Madison. Oh, oh man, I gotta. I'll do my best here. Hi to Madison uh, Vandenberg. I'm I'm guessing. I'm I'm definitely not the best with names. Uh, a new listener emailed me and said hi, and that they were listening. So thank you very much for being here. Also, I want to say thank you to Doug Laidlaw, who donated to the show. And um, uh, we're going to buy some new equipment with that and kind of upgrade our stuff. So much appreciated, Doug. If you guys want to donate, you can send me an email and let me know. I'll send you the Venmo uh, information. He says he's working on a Rush toothpaste that's uh, currently in like pre-production that he's working on getting out into uh, onto the market. So keep your eyes open for that. I also want to say a, a, hi to a couple new listeners, Chris and Alex Malloy, who sent me an email. Thanks a lot, guys. Great to have you on. Again, it's great seeing you. Uh, new new names in my inbox. I really appreciate it. But once in a while, I get an email that is so out there and very confusing um, and I, this week I definitely got one of those from Chris. Uh, I want to read it to you. Hello, Jay. I heard about your show from Twitter, Twitter when I searched Rush. I'm really enjoying your show. I even turned my brother Alex onto it, and now we often listen together. Great job on the album series, and please count us in for the trivia series. I got into Rush in the 90s. I loved their music from Roll the Bones and Counterparts, but once I saw my first concert, I was hooked. We're both guitarists, and we're and were excited to see Alex live, but we're disappointed when that he only played PRS guitars the whole night. Personally, I can't stand those guitars, but it didn't ruin the night for me. I'm glad he moved away from them around Snakes and Arrows. Thanks to uh, thanks for the great show and check us out. I'm on Twitter at Inspired Chris Malloy, where people can see a picture of my face once a day to look into. Look into my eyes for inspiration. We both have a band called Civilian that is slated for a European tour starting next month once our singer recovers from disappearing into thin air syndrome. Your friend, Chris Malloy. 
So I encourage everyone to email me and the show. I'd love to hear from you, even when I have no idea what you're talking about. Good. All right, let's get into it here. I've been talking about it for a few weeks. I want to do a trivia series on Rushcast. And I will not ramble on and on about it like I'd have the last couple of weeks. I'll do a quick overview. I would like this to start next week. So you have like a couple days to get your name into me because I'm going to start sending all the details to everyone who's signed up so far. Anybody could play. You just got to send me an email. Rushcast2112 at gmail.com. The trivia series will be multiple rounds, one round per week. We'll probably do the whole month of July. It'll be call-in style, and there's no elimination. We'll all keep score, but you're not going to be eliminated from the, the tournament. And hopefully there'll be new questions. There'll be more creative questions than you've heard in the past. I've been working really hard to try to get a collection of questions I think are interesting. Okay? So please send me an email. I'd love to have you. It's a good chance for you to be on the show at little chunks at a time each week. So when I look at Rush's catalog, something that I've done really often since I've known all 20, 20, 21 albums is I've paired them up with their adjacent album, one of their adjacent albums. So a big one, a big pair for me was always Power Windows and Hold Your Fire. I always saw those two albums as sister albums. We're talking about sister songs quite a bit. For example, on these two albums we're talking about, I think Marathon and Mission are sort of sister songs in a way. They're kind of related to each other. Uh, Maybe the biggest example of sister songs that I have is Mystic Rhythms and High Water. And they're in the same slot even on those two albums. So we talk about sister songs a lot. I want to talk about album pairs or sister albums. Another huge set of another big pair for me that's very obvious is the next two albums after hold your fire presto it to me was always like a very minor league sort of effect to roll the bones and and i don't mean it that i don't mean it to sound that degrading to presto i just think bones like if i could go back maybe i'd i'd say Bones is a slightly more polished version of Presto, where Presto was this dramatic change in sound and, and writing style. Uh, it was a it was a bit raw. It was more refined and I think more finely tuned on Roll the Bones. I know Getty agrees with me on that. Now, I, I'm I'm happy to say that that's this is one example where Getty's Getty having agreed with me did not, you know. I didn't hear Getty say that and then go, oh, well, that's what I agree. You know, that's my new opinion because Getty said it. Uh, I had always thought that and hear Getty say it and echo what I was feeling felt really good. Not to say that's correct, what, how I feel about that. So again, this is subjective. This is all just, these are things that, that um, you know, these are album pairs that I've felt, okay? And I have one other big one. I think you'll agree. I think Permanent Waves is the younger sister, to, well, I guess the older sister, to Moving Pictures. Again, a dramatic shift when we got to Permanent Waves. Kind of raw, a bit, 
this is very similar to Bones and Presto, actually. A very new sound, a very different, an extremely different writing style. And uh, in a sense, it was kind of like parts of that record are like, all right, this is still a new thing. They hadn't quite got into the groove yet. Not to say any of those songs aren't perfect because everything is perfect on that record. But then we get to Moving Pictures and there's something about it that's just more, uh, more finely tuned, more polished, uh, more mature. I would, I would say this more so than the other album pairs I had mentioned, but they're, the songs on Moving Pictures are a little bit more mature than the ones on Permanent Waves. I mean, you can say that about any two albums. The newer one is probably more mature. It's just the nature of the, the term. In these cases, the second album seemed to kind of be an extension of the first. So, like, take Bones and Presto. We have this amplification of the traits of the one before it. So we have Presto, new traits, new writing, new, new, all these new things. And then it's, they're sort of amplified and polished a bit more. I like the word polished because that's, that's how I feel about the second album in the pair. Uh, they're not necessarily more mature. I'm looking at my notes. It says not necessarily more mature. I think in the case of power when, or uh, moving pictures, like I said, it is more mature, but I don't, I wouldn't say that about power windows and hold your fire. I don't think hold your fire has, is more mature. I think they took, like I said, the, it was an amplification of the traits we heard on power windows. In my opinion, they hit the balance with power windows in that era like Power Windows dialed everything in perfectly. There was a perfect balance of every aspect of the music. And then Hold Your Fire kind of got away from that balance kind of on the other side of uh, the rock. If the other side is rock, they were leaning the other way. You know, we all understand that. So not necessarily more mature, but there's there are enough similarities where you can pair them up. And so I had these three pairs, and I'm sitting here thinking... What if I went back? Like, what if I went to um, Signals and Grace Under Pressure? Well, that, I can pair those up, too. And then you go back two more. Well, I've already paired up Moving Pictures and Permanent Waves. So I realized you could do this for almost the whole catalog. All right, so let's start at the beginning. Rush and Fly By Night. I think you, you could call those an album pair. And like, yeah, you could call Fly By Night and Caress of Steel an album, album pair too, but I would totally get what you're saying. But for just for effect, to try to make this work, if we called those first two albums a pair, couldn't you just say Fly By Night was the same as the first album, but with more complex songs and a different drummer? And, and to go with it, way more complex drumming and lyrics that come with it. But it... They're both kind of, both those albums sort of feature, not poppy, I, I want to say poppy, but they're, that's not the right word, more straight ahead rock songs, I mean, like the whole first album is. And then this more straight ahead songs on Fly By Night got a, a bit more complex. So in that sense, I think you could call them sister songs or sister albums. Then we move on to Caress of Steel and 2112. This one's pretty straightforward. The epics turn into even more awesome and, and honestly more historic epics. So 
we get these. If you don't, if you haven't been listening to the show that long, the word epics refers to the songs that Rush has that are 15 minutes plus, right? 2112, Cygnus, etc. Well, we get two of those on. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're slightly under 15. I don't remember. But the two on Caress of Steel, we get two epics for the first time. And they're awesome. We all love those tracks. But I think we would all agree, maybe not all of us, I know a lot of you really like Necromancer or The Fountain. But 2112 just became this juggernaut, the song. That, that's like what their epics were known for. A Farewell to Kings in the Hemispheres. I call this like post 2112A and post 2112B because I think these sections have these sections of sections of their catalog you can label as um sort of eras and I'll get into that in a bit. Permanent Waves into Moving Pictures, we talked about. Kind of the minor leagues of uh, radio songs into the, the major leagues of radio songs. Again, you know what I mean by that. I don't mean it to be that black and white. But uh, sig- uh, Signals into Great Center Pressure, I think, was, in a way, synth overload at Signals. It's, it's very synth-heavy. And then Great Center Pressure became synth refinement. It became, you know, maybe we can, maybe we can bring the guitars back in a bit into their normal role and not lose that synth effect. I think that's what we got on Grace Under Pressure. Whereas we go to Signals and Subdivisions is just dripping in synthesizers. Not a, not a bad thing, just an observation. Analog Kid has that, that big chorus of synthesizers. A countdown, losing it. I mean, the album is synth heavy. But then on Grace Under Pressure, we don't see it so lopsided where some songs are synthesizer heavy, some are, some are guitar heavy, we get more of an even balance throughout the record. And I think that's where the refinement is in that album pair. Power Windows and Hold Your Fire. I mean, the balance achieved on Power Windows was amazing. And then they kind of go that extra step in that same direction on Hold Your Fire. Not to a fault. Presto and Bones. Dry, poppy on Presto to dry and better writing on Bones, I think. And not to say everything on Bones is better than Presto. I mean, if we take these all track by track, of course Presto has songs that are maybe in the top 10 Rush songs. Um, just kind of looking at them as a whole and kind of the characteristics of these albums as wholes. Counterparts and Test for Echo is sort of like counter, Counterparts was the return of the guitars. It was we're back we're back the guitar is back to its normal role heavy distortion, uh, kind of more riffy. And then Test for Echo was a similar style, but something about the guitar changed in Test for Echo, and that's that's where the pairing comes in for me. Those records are very similar, I think. I think the writing's a lot better on Counterparts. Uh, I don't think Test for Echo has aged nearly as well as Counterparts, but. Uh, specifically and most notably the guitar sound got has a very distinct characteristic on this record unlike anything else we have heard had heard or have heard since meaning the albums before it and the albums after nothing is really nothing really sounds like test for echo in my opinion but i do think they're related 
Here's one I've always thought of, and maybe people will disagree with this, or, or they won't see the relationship, the similarities. I think Vapor Trails and Snakes and Arrows, this was the sort of the first example of pairings, other than the obvious ones I mentioned. I had always kind of thought Snakes and Arrows was a much more mature, much more refined version of what we heard on Vapor Trails. And I'm probably speaking sonically, mostly. I'm probably speaking about the actual sound quality, the writing, the um, the extensive uh, guitar layering, which was backed off a bit on Snakes and Arrows, but it was still there. Instead of Vapor Trails, where they're like, oh, hey, here's this guitar part. Let's layer the same one over and over and over, make this big sound. On Snakes, it became, let's layer it with, let's layer this electric guitar part with an acoustic guitar part. Then let me put a different, in, maybe a different instrument, a synth, a, um, a different guitar part over that one. So they were layering, but it was in a very different way. Because Snakes and Arrows has a, is a wash of sound. And I, it's, it's really symphonic to me. The orchestration is symphonic on Snakes and Arrows. They've, they've got every area covered. And it, that's due to layering. So I do, I do see a similarity. I see a similarity in the way Getty sings. Maybe not melodically, like if you break it down and analyze it. But his singing style, I think, is, is very similar from feedback, or I'm sorry, Vapor Trails into feedback into Snakes and Arrows. So I do see them as album pairs. They're also similar in length. I mean, they're long records. So I think I think some people would be tempted to call Snakes and Arrows and Clockwork album um, pairs, mostly because they share the producer, right? The, some of these eras come and go with the as the producers come and go. So sonically, they're both amazing due to the fact that Nick was producing. But I um, maybe from a compositional point of view, I don't see them as sister albums. So I've, I just went through the entire catalog in groups of two, right? They're pairs. And Vapor Trails and Snakes was the last complete pair. In my opinion, for me, what I've observed, Clockwork Angels is the next is the beginning of the next pair, which is why I think it would be so cool to hear another album. I would be more satisfied had clockwork angels been the last of a pair i would be more satisfied there with if i didn't get another album but if we don't get another another album now i'll always be wondering like man they always played them in pairs albums came out in pairs and the second one was always like a bit it was an amplification of what we heard in the first so you know if you're with me right now if you if you are you are agreeing to what i am saying in the last 10 minutes or you simply understand what I'm saying, you have to agree, like, the next album will be an amplification of Clockwork Angels. And Clockwork Angels, to me, was, I wrote down some key words, riff-driven and high-energy. Mostly riff-driven. I mean, we have songs like Caravan, or, I'm sorry, not Caravan, The Garden, which is not riff-driven. Maybe Caravan would be the exact opposite. On the opposite end of the record, from the last song to the first song, and Caravan's almost all riffs. So two opposite extremes there. But uh, with that one aside, and maybe Halo Effect as well, it's very riff-oriented music. So I'd love to see what would come out of this. 
maybe it'd be something similar to Test for Echo. I mean, what was the record I said a second ago that was um, riff-based? Uh, counterparts, right? Counterparts was kind of riffy, heavy guitars. What came after that? Riffy, heavy guitars, but like a slightly different sound, a different kind of mood. I'd be very interested to hear what came out of it. Then again, you might say, oh yeah, they did all these pairs, and then they ended with one one album, if it, this is their end of their writing career, where, you know, if that were the case, they end with one that doesn't have a pair, and it's actually a concept album, and it has a, a novel that goes with it, and it's, it's its own thing. I could totally see that. Good, so I wanted to mention that, because that's what I've been thinking about. And I have a really cool place to talk about what I'm thinking about. Uh, let me know what you think if you've got a specific comment or question or whatever. Send me an email. I also want to say hi today to a new listener who sent me an email. Again, uh, his name is, uh, let me see, he's from Ireland, Donald K. And uh, he had a really nice point because last week I brought up the digital discussion last week was what are the 10 what are the 10 songs for you that that perfectly portray the heart of rush what song what songs what 10 songs when you heard them you're like that that's rush that's got everything and i used the example my dad always said mission had everything rush did well in one song and did it perfectly for me that's like marathon red barchetta spirit of radio those are songs uh, Secret Touch, these are songs that, like, absolutely, every time I hear them, I go, this has everything. This is perfect. Uh, Donald pointed out that I missed one. He had a whole email about Prime Mover and how that had everything. And I realized, I'm like, you know, that should have been on my list of 10 because that's the that's the song on that record along with mission where you listen and you go this is sort of the anthem of i don't mean that as a rush reference it's the anthem of the album it's it's everything it has everything you needed to have in a rush song so i'm a little bummed i i kind of went i didn't even consider it maybe i made my list too fast but somebody else emailed as well they had Grand Designs as a close second. I thought, man, that's another one that I could say Grand Designs it really has it all. And I think Big Money has it all. So the second track right after it being in my top 10, I think that speaks to how incredibly amazing that record is. So I asked you guys, what are your 10 I said, what are your 10 songs that represent the heart of Rush? And wow. Um, I wasn't surprised at the results, like the winners, the, the songs that got the most mentions. I'm just, it's always incredible how many, like how, how many other songs there are that got like one, one mention. So uh, let's see, I wrote them all down. I got... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5, 10, 15, 20, 20 left. If there's 30 lines on this paper, I've got two columns, and they go past the lines. So there are over 60 songs that got mentioned. And that's that's incredible to me. So the uh, the obvious ones that won 
that got the most votes. Spirit of Radio got the most votes. Uh, then we had a, a bunch of people, a bunch of songs, I mean, that were kind of in the next tier. Like Xanadu, Dreamline, Far Cry, Hemispheres, La Via Strangiato, and Marathon. Um, I agree with all of the. I mean, Hemispheres, I Hemispheres is amazing, but is Cygnus Book Two really? For me, I don't know if that really represents like what they would do the rest of their career, or everything that. I don't think that's like the heart of Rush. It was a really cool thing, that proggy, heavy, epic, but I don't, I don't hear like other aspects of Rush in that song. That's just me. Not to say you're wrong. But for this person, that's the heart of Rush. Or for a bunch of people. But La Via was on my list. Like, of course, Marathon. Far Cry, absolutely. And Dreamline. Somebody said to me, he's like, my list is mostly first track songs. <laughs> Meaning Dreamline, first track on the album. Um, what was the other one I said? Far Cry, first track on the album. Uh, that's just how it goes. Because we know Rush likes to put kind of their their big song, the song that represents them and the album first. This is how it goes. Uh, the next tier, we had 2112. We had Working Man, Red Barchetta, Headlong Flight. And I, I get why people put Working Man there. But in this case, this specific question, I, I don't know. I can't justify it because when I was making my list, I couldn't justify putting it on because... Uh, Number one, it had a different member of the band, and that in itself affected the music drastically. But also, I don't think they ever really wrote like Working Man. You could say there are sections, like, yeah, the middle of Headlong Flight sounds like Working Man, or whatever. There are, there are jam sessions like that, jam sections. I don't know if they ever really wrote like that again, though. Not to say, not to take anything away from Working Man, but for this person and these... Like, these few people who put it up this high, uh, that's the heart of Rush. That's cool. And then we have uh, one last tier of songs that got, like, just a few votes each. Tom Sawyer, Limelight, Subdivisions. Boom, those three right there. Those are kind of, those are three really big names that that are in uh, this this bottom tier. And I agree with all of them. Big Money. Don't agree with that one. Natural Science. Between the Wheels. Middletown Dreams. The Camera Eye. The Trees. Presto. Mission. That Interesting. Mission was so far down. Uh, Leave That Thing Alone. Jacob's Ladder. Animate. Surprised by Animate as well. Then we get all of these songs. Here, listen to all the rest of these songs that got one vote. And these were so random. I'm reading people's lists and like taking notes. And when somebody throws in emotion detector, that's one of them. I love emotion detector. I never, I never really thought it was the heart of Rush, but you know that doesn't mean you're wrong. Here we go. Just an early warning. Uh, emotion detector, like I said. One little victory. Available light. Interesting. Something for nothing. YYZ. Got one vote. Countdown. Stick it out. Freeze. Vapor Trail, uh, New World Man, Necromancer, A Farewell to Kings, Ghost of a Chance, Lessons, Turn the Page, I like that, Best I Can, By Torn the Snow Dog, Free Will, Free Will got one vote, it's crazy, 
Circumstances, Bastille Day, Force 10, The Garden. Hey, Prime Mover only got one vote, but we had Donnell talk all about it. And Before and After, Vital Signs, The Anarchist, Malignant Narcissism, Passage to Bangkok, Manhattan Project. So what's cool about that list to me is The Garden got one vote. I have nothing against The Garden except that I think it's overrated. I think it's amazing. It's fantastic. It's a perfect end to that sort of saga. But uh, people, I think people value it really highly for some reason. I don't see that kind of love for like everyday glory, which I think is has a similar vibe. I, I understand. Like if you're gonna put those two songs up against each other, I think the Garden is a better song, like compositionally. But um, I would never call the Garden the heart of Rush for me. You know, there are so many aspects of Rush's music that I would include in the heart of Rush that are completely absent in the garden. That's that's where I'm coming from. But I get it, and I, I knew somebody would have it. It's all good. This week, we have a dis- uh, different digital discussion. What are your three best albums sonically? What three albums sound perfect from like an engineering point of view? What have what are the best for your ears to hear? Not the music, but the sound. Which records sound the best? The best sound quality. Okay, I've got three. I had three and then I crossed out one and replaced it. Here were my original three. Power windows, counterparts, snakes and arrows. Does that sound familiar? Yes, those are my top three albums in general. Those are my top three favorite Rush albums. I talk about it all the time. Most of you probably know that. Okay. And uh, it's no secret that the sonic portion of these records is taken into account when I'm thinking about what my three favorite records are. You know, they're my favorite records because of all these different things. One of those things includes the sound quality. I I think those records have the best sound quality we ever heard. I crossed out Counterparts because the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, Counterparts, I'm probably a little too emotional about the songwriting, and I think that's swaying my opinion a little tiny bit. I do love the sound quality on Counterparts. Um, I don't think it was in the top three. I would give it a really close fourth. Okay, and I replaced it with Clockwork Angels. Right? We talked about Nick. I think Clockwork Angels has an amazing sound. Uh, it's a little closer to Vapor Trails, I think, where it's it's a it's a heavier, louder album to begin with, but it does have a good sound, I think. And I did this earlier this week, and like, the more I think about it, I could, I could put Counterparks counterparts back in there and put clockwork out like it depends on the day they're very close i think i'm gonna get a lot of move i think you guys are gonna say moving pictures i think you guys are gonna say 2112 that that's what i think i i think a lot of you do like the sound quality on those older records some of those older records so I'll be i'll be curious to see because for me they definitely lean towards the newer stuff I think a lot of you will as well because the you know the further down the line we go the better the literally the uh, 
technology gets, the sound gets better. But it'll definitely be interesting. Moving picture. Here's here are a few I will I will not accept. These are wrong answers. You will get an F. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But here are here are a couple records I would put at the bottom. Um, I'm not going to accept Presto. I'm not going to accept either vape either of the Vapor Trails records. The remix was was amazing. The remix sounds fantastic. I still don't think it's 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 on par with a Power Windows. You know what I mean? Like the, the remix really did a fantastic job, but um, it's still maybe it's due to the playing more so than the mixing, or how those raw tracks were recorded. I don't know. Am I making sense today? Uh, I'll take Hold Your Fire. I think Hold Your Fire is an amazing sounding record. I will not accept. Let's see, Presto, Roll the Bones, um, Grace Under Pressure. I don't think Grace Under Pressure sounds very good. Just me. I don't. It's a little too dry. It's a little too held back. You know. I, I don't know. Something about it. Maybe it's just the Steinberger. The Steinberger, I think, sounded like trash. But I'm curious to see what you think. So send me you only three, please. When I say send me your top ten, you guys are sending me 15 tracks. I'm counting them up. So like, I I gotta decide which ones I'm gonna choose. So send me three albums. Top three best albums sonically. Yes. Whew. Um, so next week's trivia series. Next week. It won't be the whole episode. It'll be a portion of the episode. And uh, it'll be interesting for me from like a production point of view how we're gonna how I'm gonna cut the episode together and um you know, find some backing track, a backing track for the trivia portion. It's going to be fun. Uh, but if you want to be a part of it, send me a thing now. Where if once it starts, don't send me an email say you want to be a part of it because you will have missed the first round. So you've got the next few days to let me know. I, we'd love to have you on. Additionally, the live album series will start in August ish, uh, and. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I, I said I would have two guests for each album if I had enough people who wanted to do it. So uh, don't hesitate. If you think you want to be on, the, you want to do a whole episode about one live album, send me an email. Let me know, and uh, let me know why you think you'd be a great guest. Excellent. I am very, very like there are not many things that I am ultra excited about like like more like I'm always excited about Rush I'm ex- I'm very very passionate about donuts like real real like I take donuts very seriously I'm not saying that to be funny I donuts mean a lot to me and here in New York City there are several shops that only make donuts they're donut shops and they're called gourmet donuts. I go in and buy gourmet donuts once in a while. Uh, they're huge. They're like the size of a big fat Whopper at Burger King. And um, they're $4 each. <laughs> but donuts mean a lot to me. I also, what else am I extremely, extremely passionate about? Uh, uh, music, playing music. Uh, 
my bass, my upright bass. I'm extremely passionate about my Cleveland Indians who have won nine straight games. Hello. Haven't lost since the Cavaliers won the championship. And I'm also, but like, those are all things I'm passionate about. One of these things that's going to be in the near future on that list, one of the things I'm most excited about right now is this Rush Toothpaste. Brought to you no, by, I didn't say it. Brought to you by Knickerbocker. 